Hello and welcome to the British German Association's podcast series, Understanding Germany. This series supports our aim of providing insights into and in-depth discussions about modern German society. My name is Antonia Wunderlich and in this episode I speak to Professor Reinhard Busse about Germany's healthcare system. Professor Reinhard Busse is Department Head for Healthcare Management in the Faculty of Economics and Management at the Technische Universität in Berlin. He is also a faculty member of Charité, Berlin's medical faculty, as well as Associate Head of Research Policy and Head of the Berlin Hub at the European Observatory on Health Systems and Policies. His research focuses on methods and contents of comparative health system analysis, health services research and health economics. Hello, Professor Busser. Thank you very much for joining us today. We wanted to kick off this podcast on Germany's healthcare system with the first question, and this will be related to um, background and structure. So when was the current German healthcare system founded? Well, we are, I mean, we, we, we say, when we, when we say the healthcare system has important component when it comes to who is insured, um, who, who, who the payments uh, are, are done and how the, the main structures is, then we go back to, to Bismarck. So Otto von Bismarck was a German chancellor in the 1880s. And, and he, in his crown speech to the then emperor, wrote that he would install a system of social security. And the, the health insurance was the first bit, and it kicked off in 1883. So we consider that the start of today's uh, German healthcare system in the form of the social health insurance system. And in starting at that period, so almost 140 years ago, it also became the world's first uh, health insurance uh, system we should say that it started small. It's not that we had universal health coverage with everybody insured from, from the beginning. In the, in the focus at the beginning when Bismarck founded it, first of all, we should say he didn't invent it because he used pre-existing ideas. There were insurance funds, which we call in Germany sickness funds, already existing among certain people working in one pro profession in one guild, let's say the, the goldsmiths uh, health insurance uh, system, then there were already some uh, equally de developed things within companies, which became the predecessor of the company-based uh, sickness funds. And then Bismarck said, okay, we make insurance mandatory for the blue-collar worker. We should not forget it was the, the time of the industrialization and people were only paid for the work they have they actually delivered and when they were ill they, they didn't get any any wages and he was concerned that that would lead to uproar among among the workers and, and the health insurance system was part of that of that answer and it was only extended to include more people of the population slowly over, over decades. So it took 
decades be before the family, the family dependence came in later, the, the pensioners and, and so on. So there was a stepwise expansion of this system, but the, but the core was, was uh, founded in 1883. Thank you. And we'll get to um, financing and uh, insurance uh, shortly. But first, I just wanted to ask what the main differences between the British healthcare system and the German healthcare system are. Well, originally, when we go back, I mean, they were more similar, especially regarding the, the fact that we have a multitude of actors in, 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 the German, in the German system. So they are not all state-run actors. It's a bit like you, you could say that when you founded the NHS, that the GPs formally never became state employees, but are self-employed working under contract. With, with, with the NHS. And we have a similar situation is that we not only have the office-based physicians distant from the, from the system, but also that hospitals are separate entities. Something which in, in, in the UK what came was then reintroduced at least partially with a with with trust status for hospitals and the foundation trust status. So to give more autonomy to the various actors, this is a, the, the main structure of the German system. We have a multitude of, of actors both on provider side, but also that the payers, the third party payers, the sickness funds are not the state, but are what we say public law institutions. So they are regulated by law, but they are not, not state-run state entities. And so we, we believe more in the force of of law, the law defines how the various actors get together and sets the, the framework. While in the UK, it's more the government directly which makes the decisions. And we'll also get on to uh, the role of the general practitioner um, a bit later. But um, on 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 that question, actually. The NHS is, of course, a, a big part of modern British politics and election campaigns. Um, and is the German healthcare system similarly politicised? Well, I mean, politicised not as much as, as in the UK, I would say. So every time when I'm in the UK, I'm surprised also looking at um, headlines of new newspapers that, that there are more reports on how uh, the health system is run, whether there are real or pretended uh, scandals in, in, the, in the system. I mean, the German healthcare system is also an important part, clearly, of, of society, but it's a, le a bit less detached from the from, from the day to today uh, political discussions clearly in the current covid crisis that has changed and and the healthcare system has gained much more visibility and 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 political de debate than it was previously the case and who can access the healthcare system in germany 
I mean, as I said, when Bismarck started, most people at that time, first of all, I mean, there were there, there were less modern medicine clearly as it is uh, today, and there were relatively few people. But then the coverage, the population coverage was uh, expanded time after time. And today we have almost universal health coverage. We have the main system, this system created by Bismarck, the social health insurance system, which covers about 90% of the population. And we have another segment of the population, about 10%, which have so-called substitutive private insurance. So these people are, are covered not by the publicly regulated system, but are outside the, the system. But differently to other countries, these people go to the same doctors, they go to the same hospitals. So as patients, they sit in the same waiting room and they and they lie on the same on the same wards uh, typically. So if we count these two systems together, then then everybody living in Germany can access the health system. Um, I wondered if you could expand a bit on uh, the various health insurance options. Um, so what is the difference between them and how do their services differ? Well, I mean, it's when Bismarck started, as, as I said, that he was wor worried that <clears throat> about health insurance, the accessibility for people who could not afford health care themselves. In the traditional view, there were certain people, the better, the better off in, in a country where the government felt less responsible to provide them with, with health insurance. And these people traditionally had private health insurance or had no health insurance. Clearly then healthcare became more and more expensive. And today, even the richest people, I mean, benefit from health insurance if you need a transplantation and, 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 and so on. So healthcare can be very expensive. And that's why not that long ago, only in the late 2000s, being insured became mandatory for everybody. Then we have we have these two systems, and you can for practical reasons. So if 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 people from other countries, like your listeners, ask why do we have these two parallel systems, it's you can really only say oh it's by it's it's historically uh, the, the the case. So even the services are often relatively the same. The people in the statutory, the social health insurance system has access to a broad range of services. The people in the private system typically access the, the, the same services. At the fringe, they have certain services more, but also certain services less than the people in the statutory uh, system. It's mainly a, a difference by types of professional groups. Strangely enough, the civil servants are privately insured because when Bismarck started, he thought, well, the, the public employees, the civil servants, the permanent uh, civil servants are already covered. So he doesn't, he didn't have to worry about them. And that is still true today. Then we have other people, the self-employed, the majority of them is covered in, in the private system and we have certain better earning uh, 
um, employees who choose private private insurance over the statutory insurance. The main difference is when we and we come to the financing in, in a minute, but it's 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 a difference in how the contributions are calculated. So the people in the in the Bismarckian, the main system, they pay a certain percentage of their income, while the people in the private system pay a monthly premium, uh, which reflects both the the scope of the benefits they have uh, chosen to get coverage for, but also to a certain extent their their risk. So people who who enter uh, private health insurance when they are young and they are still healthy and they pay less than if you enter later and already have some chronic uh, illness problems so they pay they pay more that's really interesting maybe um just before getting on to how um the healthcare system is funded uh, could we just expand a little more on health insurance so do you know how many people in general um, opt for private health insurance and how these numbers compare to the UK. Um, and also, I, I wondered if uh, people can opt out of health insurance altogether. No, let's start with with, with a letter. I mean, un, since 2009, health insurance is mandatory. It took us a long time from the Bismarckian start until 2009, but since then, it's 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 mandatory. Um, and then for many people, for the majority of the population, let's say about 75%, it's mandatory to be in the statutory health insurance system. They can choose among these third-party payers, which we call sickness fund, and we have a bit over 100 of them. So people can choose among, among these, let's say, 100 en entities from which they get their, their health insurance. And only if you earn as an employed person above a certain, a certain threshold, you can opt out of the statutory health insurance system and, and, and join the, the private system. Because the private system, at least when you are younger, is cheaper because you pay a monthly premium, which is not dependent on your income. And remember, only the better off, the higher income people are allowed to opt out. So for them, it could be or is usually financially beneficial to, to go private. There is regulation in place that when you opt out of the statutory system, that you cannot return to the statutory system. So if you opt out, let's say you're 30, uh, well-earning, that if you go private, you have to stay there. unless you 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 at some stage in your life you you basically get back to a job where which is so little paid that it is mandatory uh, to go back to the statutory health insurance but otherwise it's a decision for it's a decision for life and so many people are well aware of that so that group of persons who has a choice whether they remain in statutory health insurance or opt out, the majority of them is staying. But this is still a very important group which provides like a litmus test for the, for the whole system. Because we have this certain percentage of the population who could leave. 
And so if they are dissatisfied with the way the health insurance system goes, this is a big threat. I mean, remember, these are the, the, the better earning people and they pay a percentage of their income. So if these people leave, they take away an above average uh, contribution to the overall financing way. And politicians are aware of that, that the health system has to be uh, structured, designed in a way to also keep these people happy. And last question before um, getting on to the funding. Um, is uh, what kind of healthcare is available in Germany to uninsured people uh, or, for example, to non-German citizens? Well, I mean, we have separate groups there. I mean, we have the people who really are uninsured because they refuse to buy in insurance or we have, let's say, illegal uh, immigrants in the country who do not have, have insurance. So then there is a safety and there's a safety net. So if you have a, if you are, you know, hit by a car on the roads, you would still get the emergency, the emergency care. But when it comes to uh, chronic illnesses, getting your teeth repaired and so on, then, then, then you are uncovered. And those people who are required to buy health insurance, they first have to buy health insurance then to get these more regular, uh, to, to get these more regular services. People who are on short term in, in Germany, let's say on as, as tourists, if they are coming from within the European Union or other countries with whom we have a bilateral agreement, then we accept their, their European health insurance card and, and they can also get, get access to, 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 the, to the services of our statutory system. And um, how then is the healthcare system funded? So you mentioned that um, for statutory healthcare, there's a certain amount is deducted from income, but how in general is it funded? Yeah, that's the main source of 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 uh, financing are these wage related deductions uh, which people which people pay. So the way it works, we say it's about fifteen percent of 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 the income, which is only half correct because the way we calculate it, let's say you you make one thousand per month, and then half of the health insurance contribution is deducted. So if there is officially a contribution rate of 15%, then 7.5% or 75 euro are deducted from your 1,000 euro income and the employer adds another 75 on top of it. So in actual terms, it's then a bit less than, than 15% if, if you count the employer contribution in. And all this money, because people are, insured with these 100 different sickness funds and clearly there are sickness funds which have better earning people there are sickness funds which have uh, people who are not earning as much there are sickness funds where the insured are on average less healthy or more healthy and that would create and for a long time that has created inequities so if you were 
insured in a fund with well-earning people who are mainly healthy, then they would all need to contribute less than if you are on the other extreme in a sickness fund where you have people earning below average but health, health needs which are above average. And so to, 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 to create an, an even level playing field, there is a central reallocation pool. So the people pay officially to their sickness fund, but de facto they pay into this big pot of money. And then there is an allocation formula which takes the uh, the needs of the of the of the people of the insured of each of these 100 sickness funds into account and allocates money so a sickness fund who has only old people or only chronically ill will get more money to pay for the health services of its insured than a sickness fund which has mainly young people who are who are healthy and how do the healthcare workers get paid? Who are they employed by? Well, that differs, uh, let's say, when we start with the hospital sector and when we talk in Germany about, about hos hospitals, we main mainly inpatient care. So outpatient care in Germany is organized separately from, from hospitals. So we have two tiers or two strands of, of specialists. We have specialists in hospitals who have the, the inpatients and we have specialists in outpatient care. So we have not only general practitioners outside hospitals, but we have gynecologists, internists, up to radiologists who have all the, all the radiology equipment in their, in their private practice. So when we start with the hospitals, hospital physicians, hospital nurses and other staff are employed by their hospital. And the hospital as an institution has a contract with a sickness fund. And for each patient which the hospital treats, the hospital gets the money, the, the, the reimbursement from the sickness fund. And with that money, it pays its, uh, its employees. In ambulatory care, so in the outpatient sector, which is organized by private practices, sometimes also in so-called health centers. So then we have larger, larger entities. Uh, we have in the majority, the physicians who work there are self-employed um, and they employ the other practice personnel partly also when it comes to to health centers the physicians are also employed and then they get paid by whoever owns the the, the health center and the health centers but also the the self-employed uh, physicians they also have contracts with the with the sickness funds but this is indirect so it's not that, otherwise it would be very difficult. I mean, if you were a GP and had to negotiate contracts with 100 sickness funds, you could not treat any patients before you have um, dealt with all the administrative burden. So the way it works is that all the outpatient care providers in a given area, that they form an association bit like maybe your primary care trust. So all the, all the providers are, are included in one organization. And this organization 
which we call the Physicians Association. They maintain the contracts with the sickness funds and they divide the reimbursement which this association gets from the sickness fund among the, the, those providers who provide the services in that, in that area. And um, what is the relationship between the, the general practitioner or the Hausarzt um, and the specialist doctors? So in the UK, um, people need to go through the Hausarzt or GP in order to access specialist advice. Um, is that the case in Germany too? No, there's no what we call gatekeeping. I mean, officially, when you look into the law, people should have a general practitioner who, who, who is their first point of care. De facto, you can go directly to a specialist. I mean, people have the health insurance card. And if you take your health insurance card and go directly to an ophthalmologist, let's say, and then the ophthalmologist takes your health insurance card and by that he's entitled to claim to claim re reimbursement via the association from 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 the sickness funds uh, that is clearly that gives more choice more options to people to access services directly but it also means that the primary care physician the the general practitioners the house ärzte that they First of all, they, they often don't know when their patients have gone directly to a specialist. And sometimes they don't get the information then back from the specialist because the patients didn't say, oh, I have this, 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 um, this general practitioner. And so it weakens the role of the general practitioners in really steering their patients uh, through all the service providers, which definitely is a, is a disadvantage and which means that, that many patients probably contact more physicians than strictly necessary. And are nursing homes or, or carers, Pflegekräfte, for people living at home, are they part of the German healthcare system or are they separate? They form a semi-independent system. So all the people who are insured with one of these 100 sickness funds, but equally the people who are insured with the private health insurers, they have a separate second relationship uh, for long-term care insurers. So people not only pay their contribution to the sickness fund, they pay a separate contribution for long-term care. But de facto, the organizations who are managing the long-term care insurance, which is a separate social insurance, are the same as a sickness fund. So if you are a CEO of a sickness fund, you are also the CEO of the long-term care insurance fund. But, it's, uh, but there is also a separate system of, of contracts between the long-term care funds and both the nursing homes but also those uh, institutions or those organizations which offer uh, long-term care services in people's homes. And what about emergency services? How do they work in, in Germany and how do emergency services compare to the UK? Well I mean it's it's I think 
we have this this issue in 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 all countries and 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 clearly the what constitutes an emergency is often also in the eye of the beholder. Clearly, there are certain emergencies where we would all agree it's so life-threatening that you have to go to, 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 to hospital. But then there are the, let's say, the smaller, the smaller emergencies, which only block unnecessarily the emergency rooms of, of hospitals. So on paper, it's clear that in Germany, we, we have two separate systems. So we have the emergency rooms in the hospitals and we have an, an out of our service maintained by these outpatient physicians associations. They, they, they uh, either the, the doctors can do that themselves so that if you're a general practitioner, that your patients have your, your telephone number and call you at night, which was the traditional way then more and more that the that the physicians in one area get together and employ somebody or, or one of them of, of the group of them is doing it that they do this night and weekend services they usually have a point of service sometimes even at, at the hospital so that people can basically if they are on the ground of the hospital can go to the emergency room or to this outpatient care uh, emergency uh, service, or they also have cars and, and, and drive around. But over time, this has become less popular and more and more people go to hospital di directly, uh, which then, and I said, which has the, the disadvantage that because the hospitals are paid for each patient they treat, that they, they are, at least that there is the, 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 the temptation for hospitals to keep people coming into the emergency room unnecessarily in, in hospitals. And so we have a big debate whether we shouldn't reorganize our emergency care and, and basically acknowledge the fact that people go to the hospital but then have basically two rooms there so that you would have in, in this ideal world, which is not yet implemented, that there would be one uh, reception, one reception desk, and somebody would then decide whether you go to the hospital run emergency room or whether you go to the, you know, to, to the, to the second emergency room, which is maintained by the outpatient specialists and, and, and which would give you outpatient treatment in order to go home again and not being treated as, as an inpatient. So emergency services is, is, a, is a concern and, and is an important point of the, of the debate. Before coming on to my last question, and perhaps taking a, a wider view. Is the healthcare system um, the same in different parts of Germany or is it Ländersache? Is it part of the federal structure? The answer is a clear yes and no. So the regulations, the legal requirements are the same everywhere. And so, so, so the, let's say the benefit basket, which services you, you can get is equally applicable the general rules about financing are equally applicable. But the actors 
are to a large degree also organized along the federal, the federal states. And so I talked before briefly about these physician associations which organize ambulatory care and, and get the money from the sickness funds and pay the physicians in the area. They are, are all different and, and they have different ideas how, how, how the reality looks like. So it's not, it's not the situation that legally there are 60 different systems. It's more that along these regional lines, you see regional variation. My last question is, what would be your observations on the relative handling of the COVID pandemic in Germany and in the UK? Well, that's obviously a big a big question and and the main observation is that germany in the in the first wave so when it all started in the spring of 2020 reacted better than many other countries and the the the, the reliance on this strong out of hospital service sector so with 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 private office based physicians these centers with a good equipment also test equipment uh, meant that many COVID patients did not go to, to hospitals, while in many other countries, the, 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 the largest part of the COVID patients went even for the test to hospital, which worsened the situation in the hospitals because many people got infected while they were inside hospital, even if they were not infected when they, when they went there. So in the first wave, the strong non-hospital sector proved to be an asset um, over time, that comparative advantage of Germany became less so uh, because we had the fact that 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 uh, the hospitals had a, had a big drop in patient numbers. So we had the paradox situation probably that our hospitals in in the COVID pandemic were as empty as never before in history. And so the advantage was a financial disadvantage for the, for the hospitals, and so that proved to be one one of the of the issues, and and the ambulatory care physicians were over time also less satisfied by the way they were paid, let's say for vaccinations and so on. So I would say to to make it a bit simplified that many of the of, of the usual problems of the German system of different sectors between inpatient and outpatient sectors of overcapacities, at least in hospitals, became more and more apparent. And many of the problems which before the pandemic we knew only for normal care also meant that we could solve the second and the third wave and now the fourth wave less effectively. A, a, a separate issue is probably that because we handled the first wave comparatively well, that few people got infected, which means that the number of recovered patients is comparatively low, which probably now currently is to our disadvantage. I mean, in, in our other countries, the UK, 
which we think handled the COVID thing less well. More people got infected. Yes, more people died per, per million population, which is definitely a, a disadvantage. But then also more people recovered. And so there is there's probably more immunity in the population than we have. And so we are now a bit sobered that, first of all, that, that our vaccination rate is lower than in southern European countries, such as Spain or Portugal or Italy. We are only at about 70%. And secondly, that because of our well handling of the first and maybe the second wave is that we have relatively little immunity, which is now to our disadvantage. So I think it's an interesting question that um, after hopefully everything is over, that we can revisit the question, which strategy proved to be really the, the, the overall most successful when we then look across all the different waves in the, in the various countries. Professor Bossa, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your insights and expertise with us. Um, it was a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you.